Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. I have always said to people, you can get all the Botox in the world, but if you ain't doing that work on you, on the inside, on your thoughts, on your past, on your trauma, on your relationships, it ain't going to fix shit. You'll still be unhappy. So this election for me isn't to find happiness. Is it to be more confident? Yep. Is it to feel good about myself? You bet. Do I color my gray hairs? I sure do. Because I like how I look. I think my hair looks better. But I am coming to this point in my life as a 48-year-old woman because it's what I choose. My body, my choice. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Hi, friends. Welcome to It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I'm coming to you from my bed under the covers. It's a Saturday morning. I've got staples in my head. I've got stitches by my ears. And if you listen closely, you'll even hear a slight lisp in my speech. <laughs> it's okay, Scarlet. Scarlet's already whining. Glad you guys are here. You've probably heard, and if you looked at the title of this episode, you know that your girl, your girl has been through it. Today, as I am speaking to you, it is day 13 post my mega surgery where I went under the knife to get a facelift, a neck lift, and also blepharoplasty, otherwise known as an eyelid surgery to remove excess skin. I have so much to tell you. I want you to know that it's even a little hard to speak. So this is a little laborsome for me, to be honest. My cheeks are very, very swollen still. So I have limited mobility in my jaw. Is that normal? Not necessarily. So I'm going to get into all of that, but just asking you to bear with me because so many of you have reached out. You want to know the nitty gritty. You want to know the details. So many of you are thrilled for me and excited for me. I've been hearing from you on social media. Others are like, what the hell are you doing? Why'd you do that? I have to say, though, not in a nasty way, but in a legitimate, like, why was this important to you? So I'm going to cover all of that today and just say, listen, I'm going to cover the physical side of this experience so far, some of the emotional parts of this experience so far. But the share, the transparency, the discussion, the conversation about this plastic surgery for me, my personal choice, really was born out of my desire to continue to move the conversation forward about midlife. What is it like to be a midlife woman? What is it like to be 48 years old and come up against a lot of challenges at this time in life? If you follow closely, you know I have my Midlife and Me video series, a limited series, but for the last two months I've been deep diving into 
ways that we can learn to better support ourselves and create, you know, a real foundation for our bodies and our minds, whether it's hormone replacement therapy, you know, whether it's, gosh, I think I've literally held up vibrators in some of those videos, been showing you my period underwear, you know, I've been addressing a lot of the more uncomfortable sides of what can be a tricky time in life, you know, and I don't even know if it's tricky, but I think there is certainly a stigma attached to perimenopause and menopause. And, and you know, until now, a lot of us haven't been talking so vulnerably about this. So a very, very big piece of all of that and a big piece of aging is the physical. And if we are being honest, you can't talk about all this without talking about how difficult it is to age. And you know I am on this podcast discussing wellness. You know I am forever in the pursuit of health and talking about supplements, talking about clean eating, talking about movement, talking about meditation, talking about mind expansion. I mean, that's what this show has become in so many ways, just organically over the last 100 plus episodes. But a piece of that is also changes in our identity physically. And I am no different than all y'all. I think we are all human in that. I look in the mirror in recent, let's say, year or years, and I obsess a little <laughs> about my jawline, namely my neck, wrinkly under my chin, kind of saggy, and my jawline, I, again, in recent months and years, all that gravity is starting to obviously do what it does. And I have this almost like pooling laxity, they call it, you know, where you're losing the volume in your cheeks and everything's sagging around my jawline and kind of pooling up right there. And it's been really bugging me. Beyond that, though, Beyond that, I think for me, the biggest bummer, the biggest downer when you are this kind of eternally happy person in general, I think all of my friends, my family, my children would tell you, I mean, hell, the name of this podcast is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I love light. I love joy. I love happiness. I love peace. I, I, you know, I won the freaking spirit award in high school. You know, I'm like, I love life. But I would catch glimpses of myself in photos or pictures or the mirror. Why do I look sad? Why do I look tired? Why do I look differently? than how I feel energetically. And that was really starting to bum me out at 48 years old. My mouth naturally now in its resting state goes downward. It's like, looks like it's in a permanent state of frowning. And it was bugging the shit out of me. Okay. So there's that. So with those little pangs of disappointment or irritation coupled with my midlife and me series, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay real open to surgery. Okay. I should also say that other than injectables, Botox, Xeomin, whatever the brand names are, other than injectables and very few fillers, that is all I have done to my face. I take that back. I take that back. Actually, I just remember something. I did, because I'm being honest with you guys. I'm being so, so honest with you. At the beginning of the pandemic, I also did a thread lift in my, in my forehead. I did do that. That's the most invasive thing I've ever done. I did the forehead thread lift, which is temporary. It lasts for six to 12 months. I did do that during the pandemic. I loved the result of that for like a month. And then after that, I felt like it didn't even really make a difference. So other than those things, and of course, 
lasers and microneedling and, and things like that. I also did Morpheus ones. But I've never cut on my face is my point. I've never had a, a, a major surgery like this ever, ever, ever. No nose job, never had a boob job, nothing. So because of these issues, I went to see my beloved Dr. Kim. Dr. Steve Kim owns a plastic surgery company here in Los Angeles. It's called SK Plastic Surgery. I was introduced to Dr. Kim when I was 35 years old from one of my besties, Catalina Sue, when I was getting Botox for the first time. And I remember then at 35, that was like such a big deal. And this was, of course, that was 13 years ago when it was a big deal. You guys, it is not at all like it is now, you young kids. Like it was it was a very big deal. You didn't tell anybody. You know, there was a lot of secrecy, you know, cloaked in like, don't tell, don't, you know, you don't want anyone to know. And regardless, I got Botox when I was 35. I've told you guys that. But anyway, I have this long standing relationship with Dr. Kim. So about mm, two months ago, I just scheduled a consultation with him. And I didn't know what I was going to do, you guys. Like, this wasn't like something I'd had on my radar. I hadn't been researching it. I hadn't done the deep dive about facelifts at all. I literally went to Dr. Kim and I said, please look at my face. And I said, here is what is bothering me. Here is what I would like to improve. Here is what I would like to enhance. And he looked right at me. He's like, well, you need a neck lift, a face lift, and you need an eye job. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I really was just like, what can I do to improve this, these parts of my face? And it was a kind of a sobering moment for me that he's like, I mean, you could get facials for the rest of your life, Kat. Like he is not at all aggressive. It's one of the reasons I love him so much is he's so honest. I know people he has turned away and not done work for. He is so highly skilled. He has people come from all over the world. I trust him implicitly. I have friends who have seen him and had work done. So anyway, I'm very familiar with his work and I trust him. I trust him. And when he said, you know, there are only so many facials you can get or so many topical, you know, ways to resolve what you're talking about. Like, if you want to fix this cat, you are the ideal candidate for again, a facelift. He's like, you can't really do the facelift without the neck lift. It's all connected. You can't really have your kind of wrinkles prominent on your neck and chin and then have, you know, your tight cheeks. It just, for for the cohesiveness and the overall effectiveness and the beauty that you kind of want to achieve, you really need to do both. So y'all know I have been on the recovery track in recent weeks, and I have to tell you, I have been incorporating Saqqara into my routine to give me that support that I have been needing. I've been a fan of Saqqara Life for almost a decade now. You've heard me talk about it right here on this show. But in case you missed it, let me familiarize you with this amazing company. Firstly, if you are looking for meals that are ready to eat, that are delivered right to your doorstep, and that actually help you look and feel your best, Saqqara is the answer. And I gotta tell you, it is so much more than just a meal delivery program. Saqqara is a nutrition program. It's kind of like having a nutritionist and a chef all in one. Their meals, firstly, are delicious. They taste amazing. But they're expertly designed to support your goals, whatever they may be, whether it's weight management, maybe you want clearer skin, maybe you're craving boosted energy. All of it is covered with Saqqara. They, beyond this, beyond the nutrition programs, have supplements. They have snacks. I've been sipping their detox teas, you know, to kind of detoxify my body and give me that extra support right now. It's also been helping soothe my throat as of late. I 
put the detox water drops and the beauty drops in my water most days when I can remember. Again, there's that detoxification that I'm looking for. It helps me get my essential greens, the detox drops. With the beauty water drops, it's adding those trace minerals that are so important to our systems that you're maybe not getting in your tapped water or your bottled water. Saqqara is here to nourish your body, nourish your gut health, and give you overall vitality. I am such a fan, and I want to bring you all to the party. Right now, Sakara is offering It Sure is a Beautiful Day listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Sakara.com. Use my code CAT to get 20% off. Again, Sakara offering my listeners 20% off of your first order when you go to Sakara.com. Use code CAT at checkout. That's S A K A R A.com. Use my name, code CAT, C-A-T-T, to get 20% off your first order. And then came my eyes, which I, I, again, that's another thing, especially in photos. I was looking at the pictures at my son's graduation literally just weeks ago. And, you know, your eyes get smaller and smaller because of the hooded lid you get. And I was like, man, again, I look so tired in these pictures. And I wasn't, although, no, I probably was in those photos, which I'll tell you about that in a minute. But anyway, he's like, if you're going to be under, if you elect to do the facelift and the neck lift, you might as well do the eyes because you're already under. You're already sedated. This is an easy kind of add-on and a pretty easy recovery if you'd like to consider that as well. That is simply a kind of slice in your eyelid. We remove the excess skin and we stitch it back up. It's a really pretty straightforward healing process if you'd like to do that too. So I left his office that day, you guys, and I was like, wow, holy shit, this is major. Like it wasn't an an instant yes for me by any stretch. And by the way, of course, there are financial considerations, which I'm going to get to a lot of your questions. Thank you so much for submitting them. I'm going to kind of tell this story and then I'm going to answer some of your questions directly here in just a in just a bit, which is how much does it cost? And the truth is it varies. It definitely varies on what city you're in and what doctor you go to. And they all have different pricing for this. But again, in in the spirit of complete transparency with you guys, Dr. Kim gave me a very sizable discount because I am sharing this story. And I told him that I wanted to bring people on this journey. I wanted to talk about the experience. I wanted to interview him on camera. I wanted to be honest, good, bad, or otherwise, about this major life event. And so he is giving me a discount. But if you go to see Dr. Kim, and I hope I'm quoting him correctly, at his practice, I believe for the three of these procedures as a whole, I want to say it's about $30,000, okay? Like I've heard from other friends who have gone other places and it's even more than that. I mean, it's a major major investment. So you add the financial consideration with all the other considerations. And this is, this is not, you know, this ain't an afternoon matinee, right? It's, it's major. So, so even with my discount, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I, 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 it was a big consideration for me. You know, I'm sending off my second son to college right now. I have my own demands. I'm, I'm, independently financially responsible for my entire life at the moment. So that that was that was something I had to really figure out if I could do. But in the end, let me get into this experience a little bit because again, I'm sitting here, it's day 13 post surgery. Pre-surgery, here's what you got to know. There's a lot to do. So before you can go through this, there's medical clearance you have to get and there are pre-op visits you need to do. So I had to go to my general practitioner. I had to get 
blood tests. I had to get an EKG. I had to get a chest x-ray. You have to prove that you're not pregnant. I mean, there are a lot of hurdles you kind of have to go through or just a checklist you have to complete before you can even get to surgery day. So that's important. But in another way, that's very comforting to know you want to do your due diligence and get all that done so you know that you are a healthy person going into your surgery. Secondly, you go see Dr. Kim. I went to see Dr. Kim. You go to your doctor prior to the surgery to go through the whole process. You know, we sat down, we talked about what it would be like. We talked about what the surgery day is like. We talked about the whole experience afterwards. So you really can wrap your head around what you're about to go through, what it's going to feel like, what to expect, again, both physically and emotionally. There's this huge component where you're changing your face. And there is a huge part of that where you better brace yourself because it's not instant, right? You have to weather a period of time where you're going to look in the mirror and you're not going to recognize who's looking back. Are you okay with that? Can you prepare for what that might feel like? And by the way, that might feel depressing and that might make you really anxious. So all of that leading up to the surgery, you have to kind of come to terms with. I felt very safe and very very secure going into my surgery. Okay, before I get to surgery day though, what you need to know about my personal experience, this is my regret because I already have a regret, but my regret is is very, again, reflective of my own life. You guys, May, the month of May for me was heavy and depleting and demanding in every way possible, okay? I knew it was going to be because I was trying to fit this surgery in at the end of the month, but I mean, to tell you, I was grinding on some podcast episodes here at the house. I was traveling to Houston to MC two full days on the stage for United Way, which required a lot of preparation. It required the travel. My son, Orion, was ramping up for his graduation, which meant just a lot of year-end school and responsibilities with his cap and gown and with his party and with our family celebration and with you know, getting him sorted for this really huge major mi milestone in life. So everything was going on. And what happened between my travels and the graduation is that the week leading up to this surgery, I then even had my beautiful brother, AJ from Indiana, surprise me, show up on my doorstep. And so he was with me for the weekend leading into the surgery, which was phenomenal. But I also like wasn't napping. You know what I mean? Like I, I was now, you know, I had my my brother at my house, which was, again, like the best gift ever. All to all this to say that, like, I wasn't sleeping. I had a lot going on. I was hosting a party and I was, you know, recovering from my my pretty demanding work week. And I woke up on surgery Monday. I had no voice. I looked like I hadn't slept in two weeks. My my pre-surgery videos are like, holy hell. I looked ratchet. I looked I looked I looked sick. And here's the thing. I was. That's that's my regret. I walked into surgery Monday morning and I couldn't hardly swallow. I had drainage in my throat and I was losing my voice. So what does this mean? My immunity was down. And I was very relaxed. I was very ready to do it. I wasn't even nervous. And at Dr. Kim's office, they were like, are you okay? Like, no one is ever this relaxed. You are like my girl, Christine. I think I even have her on video saying this. She was like, you are the most relaxed patient we've ever had before a facelift. And I think it was just, I was so exhausted. I was like, give me the drugs. I need to just, I need to come down. I need to go out and just be in bed for two weeks, almost like it was a gift that all the timing kind of worked itself out. But I would not recommend doing it this way because 
I really do believe sitting here 13 days later that because a facelift and a neck lift and an eye job are serious and at a level that requires your body to really be able to heal in the proper way, I think I was coming from a place that wasn't as strong or as sturdy or as ready as it should have been to do its job for the healing of this surgery. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So surgery day, I went alone that morning. Like I said, I was super relaxed. They put the IV in my arm. The anesthesiologist talked me through what would happen. And I was like, let's go. Let's fucking go. I'm ready. I've made up my mind. I am leaning into this. And I'm going to share this whole experience with my community. Lena picked me up. You have to have like nurse care, a friend, a family member for 24 hours post this surgery. So she picked me up. I came to, I'm, you know, put in a wheelchair right away and rolled out of there. You have bandages all over your head. And what I remember from that moment, even though I was kind of drugged and I was like just getting home and getting set up here in my bedroom was that my throat hurt. Okay. So see, that's already going to be different than any of your experiences. I couldn't swallow. Now you have a breathing tube when you go through this. So I know from hearing from the doctors, you know, that can be uncomfortable, that can cause some discomfort and that should like go away in a day or two. But for me, I think I already had some inflammation. I think I already had some, mm, like all the signs of being run down. So that's number one. I got home and I'm like, I can barely drink through a straw because my throat hurts. Now, day one, day two is kind of a blur. You're supposed to stay in bed, obviously. You are prescribed pain meds, which I did take. I was very uncomfortable. And after reading and researching and hearing other people's stories and being all over the internet to hear about other people's experiences, I think I had it worse, guys. Like, I have a high pain tolerance. I've pushed out two kids. I like tattoos. I was so miserable. I, it wasn't even like it was the stitches or the staples in my head. It was that. I had this unbearable pressure in my ears and in my throat. And, you know, I think the first two to three days after facelift, that's to be expected. You're going to be really, really uncomfortable. And then, you know, after about four or five days, you're not even going to need your pain meds. You're going to start to feel physically, you know, very manageable discomfort and pain. You could probably switch to Tylenol. These are all the things I heard. But you guys, I was like, I kid you not. I was like, this is worth worse than child labor. I cannot handle this discomfort. I was miserable. Cut to, to this day, referring to the way I'm speaking at the moment, I have had very, very limited mobility in my jaw. Okay. So for me, I I can't chew. I have had trouble chewing. Okay. So again, I think the inflammation from my maybe sickness of my throat and the pressure in my ears and the kind of the favoring of my jaw muscles that I've been like being so careful with and all these muscles already being pulled so tightly and rearranged and kind of in shock. There's like a frozenness 
around my upper jaw, back of my teeth area, I have had to work really deliberately on loosening them up and slowly each day exercising them so that I can open my mouth, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. One of the biggest risks with this kind of surgery is nerve damage and that it was explained to me before, you know, like that's the biggest risk. I don't think, and Mr. Mr. Jesus, <laughs> and Dr. Kim has kind of confirmed this for me. For me, I think this is all muscle related. My muscles are just still numb. They're still very tingly and they're just not returning to normal mobility. Mobility, see, guys, the talking is hard. Isn't that crazy? So I say all that because I think my pain was worse than the average person's because of my kind of complications of my immunity being low and my body not having the ability to kind of restore itself and heal itself as quickly as maybe the average person. Okay. So again, I was on the pain meds. I was on an antibiotic for five days and I think the scariest part for me was looking at my pain pills, I'm not kidding, and counting them and looking at the clock, probably days three through five, I was really alarmed because Dr. Kim's office and because he's a respectable doctor, they're like, you shouldn't need more pain meds, cat. like at this level. I mean, of course they were hearing my concerns, but they're like, mm, most people are off their pain meds. You know, these are opioids. I was on hydrocodone. I did not like the feeling of rationing my drugs, y'all. It scared me because I was like, I can't sleep. I can't get comfortable. I was literally looking every four hours at the clock, like, when can I have another one? When can I have another one? So my my kind of obsession of my pain management was almost outweighing even the physical alteration of my face. Was I looking in the mirror and going, ooh, damn, my eyes look good already? Yes. Was I already so pleased with how my eyes looked and how little bruising I had and how beautiful the stitching was? Like he did such a good job. So when I looked in the mirror, I actually felt happy. I felt hopeful. I was like, wow, this is going to be great down the line. Like he nailed it. But I felt bad. I felt like I'm on soup now for day six. I can't chew. Swallowing's hard. Do I have an ear infection? You know, I had some other distractions and issues that were, you know, I couldn't stop obsessing about. And so a couple visits later to Dr. Kim. And, you know, that comforted me. He's like, listen, everybody heals at their own pace. You look exceptional. Everything is healing as, exactly as it should from a an optics point. Like your, your sutures look great. You don't have infection. This is all part of it, right? Just be patient. Just be patient. And so they tell you that at about two weeks, most people feel like they can kind of get back to normal life. And even at three weeks with your hair down, covering your stitches, no one would ever know. And to sit here today on day 13, that is really how I feel. I feel really, really optimistic. I've been taking photos of this face every day. I'm going to show you the kind of progression of you know, how it's been healing and what I look like. And I have to say, like, I have had so much love surrounding me at this very bed where I'm sitting. I mean, Nipsey has not left my feet. Scarlet is three feet away. I could not have gotten through this without Catalina Sue, Lena, my dearest sister, my best friend, 
who conveniently enough loves surgery. So she has a lot more experience than me. And she has been fluffing my pillows. She's been getting my food. She's like getting my drugs. She's, you know, helping my kids go pick up what they need to get at the store. She literally sat at the end of my bed and like cleaned out my closet while I was over here, you know, complaining about how I felt. Like she has rubbed my feet. She rubbed my back. She brought me a dry brush to get my blood circulating. Like she got me my compression socks. Oh man, to have a friend like Lena I mean, honestly, that's been one of the high points of this whole experience because I just have felt so taken care of. So I love you, Lena. Thank you, Greg. Okay, so this is some of your questions are like, where has Greg been? Why isn't Greg there? Greg has been here. Greg has been here. Here's the thing with my love. So, and this is, I believe, another one of your questions you guys asked me. So I am answering some of your questions through the story, but your partner's take on what you're doing to your face is absolutely a consideration, right? Like when I went through the decision-making process, a big piece of that was, what's Greg going to say? Oh my God, is he going to like freak out? Is he going to think this is crazy? Is he going to worry? Is he going to think he'll, you know, he's, will I ever look the same? Like what are, what would be his reservations? And we had a really honest talk in advance about this. I told him it was something that I really wanted to do and explain what it would entail. And you know what? There wasn't a single moment that he was like, don't do it. He was so, so Greg about it. He was just like, you know, if that's something you want to do and if that's going to make you feel good and you're beautiful the way you are, but I'm sure you'll look beautiful after. And he wanted to know about Dr. Kim and I told him the whole history. And, you know, his only thing was that I think what most men would say, which is, I want to recognize you. I, I I still want the same girlfriend because I, I, I love the girlfriend I have. Like, I don't want you to come back and feel like I'm dating somebody new. You know what I mean? Like, you want to look like yourself. I think that's everybody's biggest fear is I still want to look like me, but I just want to look a little refreshed and a little younger and a little enhanced. So I assured him that that was also my goal and that we'll be fine. And so I also told Greg, I was like, plan to not see me for a week. I do not want you to see me swollen. I don't want you to see me looking like alien head. I want you to see me after things have calmed down. And that was our agreement before the surgery. I was like, yeah, I'll just see you on that Friday. I think that's a, you know, at least a solid five days before you see me. And we couldn't wait. Go figure. Greg came over on day three I would send him a little photo and then another photo and I'd FaceTime with like half my face and he was so worried about me and like so wanting to help and so wanting to do something for me that he's like, I'm coming. I don't care. I'm coming over. It was so nice. So Greg came over several days since, but his first day was day three and And he, you know, made me oatmeal and he made me soup and he's made me scrambled eggs. And he, you know, I love when he feeds me anyway, but I've had to be very careful about what I'm eating. So he's just been so awesome through this. And I went to Malibu to his house for a couple days to just recover there which was nice because I got a change of scenery and, you know, I haven't been much fun. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, don't expect to be up and at them. I mean, if some of you have had this are, man, that was not my experience. I have been in bed. Again, I'm so grateful. The biggest challenge was weaning off of the pain meds. You know, I transitioned to Tylenol only and I've been fine now. Thank God. Hallelujah. And then 
slowly day by day getting more mobility back in my jaw and in my bite. And so I've come a long way. It's amazing what the difference can be in two weeks because as I speak to you at this moment, I am headed to see Dr. Kim here this morning to get the final staples out of my head and the back of my neck and my temples removed and a couple remaining stitches removed. And that's it. That's it. I mean, that's really it. So no more meds, no more staples or stitches. And the rest is kind of up to my body to just start to settle, relax the tightness, the muscle, like, swelling that's still there, everything will just day by day by day start to resolve itself. So I am feeling energized about that. I am feeling, again, this is just temporary. And as soon as I can get these muscles around my ears and around my jaws to come back 100, then I'll be 100. But it's it's healing. I mean, guys, a facelift, they basically, like Greg likes to say, like, take your face off and put it back on, okay? Like, it's not nothing. Your face is cut from your temple all the way down past your ears, and your not only is your skin lifted up off of your face, but your muscles are too. So, all of that is then lifted, pulled tight as fuck back behind your ears and then stitched and stapled and cut off, you know, like that's a lot for a face to go through. So is it any wonder that my muscles are like, what the actual fuck did you do to us? They're still coming back and it's going to be a minute. And so listen, the timeline, if you've ever thought about this or wanted to do it, you know, the upside is they're like, man, you, you can be back to life in two weeks, three weeks. People are back taking short walks, you know, going to the grocery store, you know, running regular errands. People can get back to work if they're comfortable doing that, you get back to normal activities two to three weeks, which is great. When should you expect your face to look like you want it? Like, like optimized from all this? You know, listen, people say at one month, you're like, oh, this is amazing. I look youthful. This is cool. But really, six months. You know, some people still have tingling and swelling for six months to even a year, which is why I'm going to be going back to Dr. Kim. There's a month post-op visit. There's a three month. There's a six months. There's a year where I go and check in with him and he takes a look at what's happened. So it is a commitment. It really, really is a commitment. And that's a lot of what you should consider if you too are thinking about doing this. Okay, I'm going to get to your questions. I've answered a lot of them. And I just want to say thank you because I'm really kind of surprised that, and of course, most of you are my followers, so you are loving and you're in my corner and you're always so encouraging, but I've really felt that energy from most of you, which is really, really so nice. You know, people are saying, you know, wishing me well with my healing and so, so nice. So I love you guys. Thank you so much. Okay. The deciding factor to go forward with a facelift. So I think I've kind of addressed that. The deciding factor was I'm doing this for me. This is for me. And, you know, I could actually expand on that a little bit because Many of you ask me this, you know, why? What's the why? You know, what is you really, you know, what made you pull the trigger? And this is important. For me, and I've said this in many interviews, I've probably said this on 
this very show before. I think the way that I reconcile tweaking my physical, getting the Botox, doing this facelift, for me, I really genuinely love who I am. This isn't coming from a place of self-loathing. This isn't coming from a place of I have to fix my exterior to love myself. This isn't coming from a place of lack, okay? I do so much interior work that I feel like I can justify this exterior investment. I meditate. I read. I write affirmations. I journal. I have done the work on the inside that has positioned me at a place of peace that anything I do on the exterior is just icing on the cake. So this is a gift to myself. This is extra. This is, you know, the the perimeter. This is the the ancillary part of my life that I know is not the most important. Okay? So that's very important. I have always said to people, you can get all the Botox in the world, but if you ain't doing that work on you, on the inside, on your thoughts, on your past, on your trauma, on your relationships, it ain't going to fix shit. You'll still be unhappy. So this election for me isn't to find happiness. Is it to be more confident? Yep. Is it to feel good about myself? You bet. Do I color my gray hairs? I sure do. Because I like how I look. I think my hair looks better. Do I go to the gym? Is part of that vanity? Yep. Do I like my six pack? Sure do. It's an investment in me. Do I walk around with chipped nails most days or ignore my manicure? No. I like how it looks. I like how I feel. So is this on a a much different scale? Of course it is. But I am coming to this point in my life as a 48-year-old woman because it's what I choose, my body, my choice. And it's really, really freeing in in one sense, because I've never actually loved myself more. So this ain't a fix. This ain't a, this isn't a fix, even though technically it could be defined as hmm, fixing something that is physically negative, I suppose. But I'm, I'm like jazzed by all of this. I'm excited. Excited. And by the way, I'm also completely geeked out by science and our medical industry and what is possible. I mean, it's cool. It's cool. It's exciting. So why wouldn't I? And I'm going to answer, you know, a harder question because I really do think it's fair. One of my followers says to me, she says, Can I be honest? I wish more women would just love themselves and stop with the knife, stop with the surgery, stop with the plastic. Here's the thing. I do love myself. And I know what she means. I mean, that's, if I'm being honest, probably was part of my reservation was like, oh, what are people going to think? You know, people will judge you know, why Why can't I just accept aging, right? Why can't I just accept it? And I go back to kind of what I was just saying and answering her question. It's, it's, why can't this be an act of love, you know, rather than a judgment of, of, of us hating ourselves? It's actually an act of love. And I'll tell you a little story And I do think this shapes us. I know it does. 
the way we see ourselves, the way we see our bodies, the way we define beauty, many, many, many of us, that comes from our relationships with our mothers, okay? And if I'm being really honest, you know, if I grew up on 100 acres in the middle of nowhere and my mom and I just farmed our whole lives and I watched her grow old gracefully, you know, maybe this wouldn't be on my radar. But my mom... First of all, my mother is naturally stunningly beautiful. There's that. But my mother was a cosmopolitan mom. You know, she took pride in how she looked. And, you know, I loved watching her get ready growing up. I loved watching her get dressed. I loved watching her do her makeup. I loved her expression of herself through fashion and beauty. And I also watched my mom, if I'm honest, also be hypercritical of her looks. And I think she wouldn't deny that. And my mom at times in her life elected for plastic surgery. My mom, when she was in her early 40s, got a boob job. Okay. My mom in her 50s got a facelift. And you know, I was young at the time and I wasn't really thinking about those things for myself because I was, you know, when you're 20 something, you think you're going to live forever. And at least back in my generation, you know, in your 20s, it's not like it is today. You weren't electing to get these type of procedures. It was really reserved for people at midlife, really, the majority of patients. That's, boys, that changed. Thank you, Kardashians. Thank you, medical science. But did that have an effect on me in some way, subconsciously or consciously? For sure it did. For sure it did. You know, knowing my mom elected to do these things definitely probably made me lean into it more when I told her that I was doing this. I think she she responded verbally very supportively, but truthfully, she I think probably somewhere in her heart and mind, she was like, oh, but she's already beautiful. You know, my mom just thinks I'm it. And that's amazing. And I love her for that. It's kind of like with my tattoos, you know. <laughs> I I got tattoos. I convinced my mom to get tattoos when we were young. My mom even has a couple. And now she's like, could you stop with the tattoos? Write a poem, you know. And now I'm like, I'm getting plastic surgery. And she's probably like, oh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> but anyway, I know our intimate relationships and our mothers or those who came before us, what they do and how they live and what they choose certainly impacts our choices. So I think if I had a different mom and she was very anti-surgery, maybe I wouldn't have elected to do this. But, you know, my mom looks killer at 73 and she didn't have a single regret about her facelift. And so I guess more fuel for me to move forward with it. I had another really great question from you guys, which I hadn't really thought about. I got this a lot. 48 years old, that seems young. A lot of you were like, that seems really young. That seems really young. And you know what? That's what I thought too. If I had any reservation, I was like, oh, maybe I should wait. Not true. Contrary to that maybe collective thought, what I heard from Dr. Kim and what I believe to be true is that this is actually the perfect time. Because if you're too far along with your aging or you're maybe even five more years into your 50s, you have deeper wrinkles. You have more loss of volume in your face. And what's going to happen? You're going to get your facelift and boom, you're going to maybe shave how many years off your life. But one, it's a far more obvious surgery and people are going to look at you like, whoa, there's a before, there's the after. I think it's a more jarring visual if you wait, number one. Number two, as Dr. Kim told me, the younger you are, the healthier you are, the better your healing should be in theory. So your bounce back time is going to be shorter. Your recovery is going to be better. You know, you're just working with more vital cells and organs and tissues and whatnot. So actually a little younger is advantageous. So great question. Kind of was thinking I was supposed to wait also, but no, not so much. 
here's the the probably final question I'm going to answer from you guys because I think it's a very good one. Donna says, did you feel pressure from society standards to make your decision to have surgery? Did you feel pressure from society standards? <sighs> you know, probably. Yeah, I think the honest answer is probably. Probably. Like, listen, like, let's pretend social media didn't exist. Let's pretend that we weren't all watching each other in our daily lives. Let's pretend that my job didn't require you know, video captures and reels and my business wasn't out there in the kind of way that it is. Would I care as much? Would I be as vain? Would I be as concerned about my ego and the way I presented to the world? Probably not. So as much as I am a advocate for self-love and self-confidence and self-worth and choosing from my power every day and what I eat and what I do and what I think and how I move through the world. Like all that can be true, but I can also, you know, make some videos and go, eh, that doesn't look how I feel, a little more useful, a little more energetic, a little less tired. And sure, that isn't just for me. I'm sure the layered in there, intertwined in there, entangled in my decision is how I present to the world. And while at 50, oh my God, I just called myself 50. While at 48 years young, I give less fucks than I ever have about what y'all think of me. Truly, what anyone thinks of me is not my business. Man, that's one of the best parts of aging. At the same time, of course, I care what people think. Of course, when I get all dolled up for an event and head out in public or go to a big dinner, or, you know, whatever it is, do I want people to turn their heads and be like, oh, you look great. And oh my God, what are you doing? And oh, what are your secrets or whatever? Sure I do. Of course. I'm human. I'm a woman. I want to present the best possible version of me to the world. So yes, of course, there are societal considerations that contributed to this. But I can sit here and say to you, I feel very grounded and, and comfortable in my decision because I am not doing this in excess. I am not doing this because I've become addicted to these treatments. I'm not doing this because I plan to keep doing it. In many ways, this is the year of me. And I've said on this show, this is a year of so much transition in my life, guys. Like, I'm going to be an empty nester soon. Both my boys are flying the coop. Come August, I'm moving in with my love. We're merging lives. Like, I feel like this cocoon metamorphosis butterfly shift happening. And this surgery for me was really kind of a lovely compliment to all of that. And I'm fucking excited. I'm really excited. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful I have the means. I'm grateful I have access to this doctor. I feel the privilege associated with this choice of mine. I know that I'm lucky. And like just even lucky that I can make this whole experience part of my share, part of my work, part of my passion, part of my commitment to informing women and making us all feel a little less alone in whatever it is we decide to do for ourselves. Right? So, <laughs> with that, I got to get to the doctor. The staples are coming out today, and I think they're going to, I think it's going to hurt a little bit. Man, I'm a little nervous. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and I will be free of any of this, this the, the last little residue of this surgery will be gone from my body. So I'm going to have, hopefully, Dr. Kim on this very show. I'm going to update you on my mouth and my jaw issue. 
I'm going to hopefully sound a little, a little less like this in the future. And I'm going to keep taking care of myself. But thank you for caring. Thank you for your opinions. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for listening and dying to know what you think of everything that I've shared. So I think that covered it. Scarlet, it's a wrap. Nipsey, wake up. We got to get out of here. But, you know, I'll be back next Tuesday with more of this came from. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Would you do that for me? Just two minutes, two minutes on Apple Podcasts. What you think of this show, what you don't like about this show, what you want more of on this show, and make sure to take advantage of our phenomenal sponsors. I'm giving you major discounts to brands that I love and use. I mean, use them. Click. Take advantage and enjoy. See you next Tuesday. So much love. Bye. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Kat Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Kat. Talk to you next Tuesday. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.